Hey, and welcome to the Rally Podcast. We're stoked that you're here. We hope that this would be a tool to help you pursue the presence of God, people, and the ways of Jesus. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Well, hey, Rally, welcome back to the Roundtable. I'm joined today by two of my friends. We've got Tyler and Angela. We, we call her Ange, and we are blessed because these two people, uh, I genuinely mean this, love God a ton. And I'm really excited for today's conversation because uh, this month we're talking about uh, the book of Daniel and partnering it with the book Faith for Exiles and kind of journeying through just some of the practices and, and encouragements that it has. Uh, but specifically this this uh, conversation today is we want to talk about like cultural discernment and just in the day and age that we live in. And so uh, guys, just just to start, how are we feeling? Are we excited to be on the round table? Very excited. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here today. It's it's good to have you guys. But uh, to get the conversation going, uh, Tyler, I would just love for you to, uh, from the outset, when when we're talking about the Book of Daniel, uh, and and just maybe give like a quick overview of of whether with Babylon and exile, and just you're a smart man, so you can kind of set set the stage for for this conversation. All right. Well, that's a tall task in a couple <laughs> of minutes, so I'm going to stop uh, pressing right there. But looking at the Book of Daniel is important because in Israel's history, the people of God, there was a point in time where the nation of Babylon, the Empire of Babylon, came in and took the Israelites. You know, they they pretty much demolished Judah. Jerusalem and took a group of people to Babylon to live there. And Daniel was a prophet of God living in Babylon. And so Babylon kind of takes on this idea in scripture to represent empire on earth. So Babylon was this empire that had a massive cultural influence even before they had power and led everything. Like they were the language that everyone was, you know, reading. They were the the leaders in science, they were the leaders in art and storytelling and, you know, wealth and luxury and all of these spaces. And so they had a massive cultural influence in the day. And the Bible kind of picks that up, whether it's talking about, you know, Persia later or Rome or, or empire in the world, it relates it to Babylon. I think the important thing for us is there's obviously a lot of um, context for today, for being in America today, there's a lot of context. And I think it'd be really easy to think about Babylon as like whoever, whatever team you feel like you're on, you know, politically or nationally, like Babylon's the other team. And I think it's really important to understand in the Bible, Babylon's this idea of the the kingdom of man um, winning. And so anything that we put our trust in for power, for wealth, for luxury, for mankind bringing kingdom really is us aligning with Babylon more than the kingdom of God. And that's a, a theme I think you're going to see in scripture. That's great. So, Ange, when, when you're looking at the book of Daniel, what are, what are the things that just like initially, obviously we're beginning the conversation, but just like stand out to you that, that gets you, um, I don't know, you, you, you're just, I know you're passionate about the book of Daniel. I, do, I love the book of Daniel. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me is in the midst of, you know, what, what the, uh, Tyler's talking about is there's this cultural um, thing happening, but there are still people that are loving God and sticking to his statutes within the culture. And then you see just this, you see a separation between the, the, the two types of people, those that walk with God and those that do not. And the book of Daniel is full of stories of what it looks like to walk with God. And it, it does not mean that there is, that it is void of hard or of hardship or anything like that. It's that there's a nearness with God and there's the miraculous tied to it. Mm, so there's great. this, there's this sweet, intimate intimacy you see with Daniel 
and God um, in the book of Daniel. And it's just very beautiful and it sets him apart. And there's just story after story. I mean, if I just would encourage anybody listening to this, please dig into the book of Daniel. Even if you can't sit and read it, put it on the Bible app and just listen to it in the car. It is a fantastic, it's, it's anything but boring. So I love what you said of the intimacy that Daniel had with God in the world that he lived in. That's really where I want to go with this conversation right. today is like the world that we live in currently has got tension. There's all sorts of narratives and, and culture and, and whether you're in the South talking about the North culture coming to South Carolina or just I'm as an Aussie coming into American culture or Eastern versus like there's all sorts of culture, uh, but I think it's important to have a discernment of what's going on in the world while being a follower of Jesus. So what comes to mind to you guys when just thinking about discernment in the culture that we're in, uh, partner with following Jesus? Well, I, I mean, I, I think in explaining even the idea of discernment in the New Testament, I think we see that there's this you know, Paul tells us several times that everyone, whether it's, you know, technically, I guess your spiritual gift or not, every believer is supposed to grow in their discernment. Yes. And so when we're discerning, we really are figuring out where is what we're hearing coming from spiritually, where's it coming from, right? Like if Angela's talking to me, probably from, from you, from your spirit, that's what you're talking from. But there've been things you've said to me that have landed differently and I've discerned, oh, that's from the Holy Spirit. Right. But also when you're talking to me, I've got to be discerning. Is that coming maybe from something you're believing from the enemy, right? From another spirit that's going to weigh us down. So I think culturally, we've got to one lay this framework that everything is not physical. There's a spiritual reality. So we've got to understand where the messages and images that we're taking in, where are those things coming from? And then pit them against. That's why the Bible is so important. We're only going to say that a ton today, but the Bible is so like, read it, read it, read it. Even when you don't understand it, read it some more the holy spirit will just put it in your heart and you know i think even before we understand fully what the bible is what it's going to do is give us a taste of you know culturally when we take things in some things we can't see why it's maybe wrong but it doesn't taste right yep because we're so full of scripture so bible and friends really are the two things i'm going to say like will help us discern culturally and as you're growing in discernment that's such a great way to explain it as you're growing in discernment one way, one litmus test is to say, okay, what does this yield? What is, is there, you know, Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the spirit. Is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Like what fruit is this yielding when you are talking to somebody? Like what does this bear, what does this bear witness to? And so, um, you know, there are, that's just a great way to, to say it as well. And with discernment and w- during this time, one of the things I just like want to mention is we do have an enemy and it's not to focus on him because power is in Christ, but the reality is to not be mindful of his schemes would not be wise. And so reality is his real schemes are just to distort the truth, to accuse the brethren, to accuse others to you. And really that all comes through thoughts and suggestions. So um, you'll find a lot of, of this Babylonian lifestyle is rooted in thought. And so a lot of times, like one of the things I've had with God recently is, hey, I have your heart. I won't fool your mind. And so a lot of this is renewed is mindsets. Too. So good. Tyler, earlier in the conversation, you talked about like Babylon as, as a spirit and we see like this theme throughout scripture. So what does that mean then for us like today, if like the spirit of Babylon and then when you look at the story of Daniel as an exile, what does it mean like the spirit of Babylon and then living as an exile? Like what, what can you unpack more of that? I think, I think really when you first start thinking about the spirit of Babylon, it really is like the spirit of empire or mankind, like man's kingdom. And it can look, you know, thousands of different ways and has looked thousands of different ways over history. But I think really anytime you're trusting in people to do what God intended for himself to do, you're going to be leaning into Babylon. You're going to be looking for wealth, for knowledge, for 
art to do something that God wants to bring his kingdom into earth, not the kingdom of the earth. Mm. Right. And so whatever it looks like when we start leaning into man, that's where we're really in danger of, you know, okay, I want this government system or this kingdom system. I want it to do the work for me versus no, I'm, I'm responsible for bringing the kingdom of God into this earth. I'm an ambassador of that kingdom and it's, it's very different. Yeah, that's great. And so that's where leaning into this part of the conversation, I want to talk about like the themes of Babylon and just like the culture in which we find ourselves in. So what are maybe some, some themes or, or observations you guys see in, in the world today that, that just come to mind? Yes. Um, there, there are many, but some of the ones that just like really stuck out to me as I was sitting with Daniel is first of all, comparison. Um, comparison is, is, is a thief uh, because what it really does is it, 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 it either you want to rise up with someone or you want to rise above them. And what it does is it begins to steal someone else's uniqueness and significance. And so um, you see comparison in social media, celebrity, you know, things, things like that, things of the culture of the day. And so, you know, one thing to be aware of and just talking about, you know, a litmus test for yourself is if there's, if you're on social media and you're following people or you're watching certain shows and, and what you're noticing is they're, they're not yielding any fruit. That is something to really examine and say, should this be in my life? Should I be continuing on at this? Like, those are some areas with comparison and um, you've got rush living and entitlement that's a big entitlement is a big thing that we see and honestly I have two little kids and I I see it like <laughs> I think it's like in my face now I don't Tyler I don't know if you agree with this but I have conversations now with like I deserve and I owe and it, what's what I, what's getting exposed to me is where I have areas of that now and I'm having right. these conversations with the kids but that is of the day right now and it was of the day of Babylon as well so those are two big ones that really stick out to me right I mean I have a seven-year-old right now and that's not fair is one of his primary sentences when he doesn't like something I tell him. And yeah. I'm like, buddy, that's not what it's about. So, yeah. you know, we're yeah. not going to talk about fair yeah. right now. I think in looking at Babylon too, I think some themes that you also see, you see trusting in power, trusting in wealth and trusting in knowledge. Mm -hmm. And we all see that. Like we want, we want to get our way because just do it my way, right? Or for someone to bring power and get it done with like man's power or man's wealth or even knowledge. Like, I don't know so many times it's so easy to cower um, to knowledge because we feel like, okay, is this really true? Can I really trust this? This doesn't feel as smart as what everyone else values. And how do I operate with that? And the deal too is you talked about distorting the truth. That's what the enemy wants to do. The values of, of kingdom, a lot of times they'll work because it's a distortion of what God made to work. Mm. And I, I, in my head, I like to distinguish between true things and truth things because what the enemy will do is he'll come in with true things, but he'll sell them to us in a way that um, distorts it and actually brings about bad fruit. Right. But Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So, you know, we've all had someone come in and point out and be like, did you see that thing that person did? And that's a true thing, but it's not truth because we're not using it the way Christ would use it. We're not using it the way God's word tells us to use it. And so I think that's part of cultural discernment. It's not just, is it truth? Is it true or false? It's, is it truth bringing fruit? Or is it even using true things to make me put my faith in something that's not ultimately going to give me what I want it to give me? So good. With that, so how, how would you encourage people to go about like finding the truth in, in right. continuing that conversation of just like, man, there's so many messages, things in the world. What can you trust? What can't you trust? I'm, right. I know you've got thoughts I around mean, that. I mean, so. I think when you look at Daniel, the three things I boil it down to is Daniel knew who God was. He knew who God made him to be, and he knew what God made him to do. And for all of us, that's yeah. still true. We've got to know who God is, who God says we are, 
and then what mission God's put us on in the earth. Mm, And the two primary ways, one is scripture. We have to have so much scripture. Daniel was raised at a time when, when Judah was going through a revival with King Josiah. I mean, he was a child in the revival. So he got the scripture in him and then got taken to Babylon and was able to exist and thrive there because of that. But he also had friends. So here's the other thing. We can love the Bible, but the Bible says every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Right. But God judges the heart. And so that means if we find ourselves doing something, if the Bible's true, that means that we're going to end up thinking it's the right thing to do, whether it is or isn't. But God's not judging whether we think it's the right thing to do or not. He's going to judge our hearts. So we have to have people to help us understand, is this right? Is this wrong? Teach me the way. Show me where I'm off course. So really that formation of scripture and friends is so powerful when we're trying to grow in those things. And you really see that with Daniel. And in Daniel 1, it talks about, and Daniel resolved. And so there is the word, but then you can know the word. There's a difference between knowing it and then resolving in you that it is the way. It's great. And so that, you know, if there's an area where, as we're talking through this, you're like, oh gosh, this is coming up, then ask God and really dig into the scriptures and say, where am I not resolved in this? Um, And I've, I've had this encounter with God myself of, God, give me a picture my future. I just need it. I need it. I need it. And I remember him reciting Jeremiah 29 over me. Like, I know the plans I have for you. They are good. And I just remember this question rising up in my spirit was, do you actually believe this? And I had a resolve in that moment and it came through many tears, but I have not moved. There's once resolve happens, it's very hard for your feet to be moved off of that. And then with the community side, you see Daniel with Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego. And it's like, they are, um, you know, when you have those days when you're like, you know, we, we know, like, I don't, I, you know, you think about, I, I might be done. I might quit. And then you have that community to say, stay on the way, stay in the narrow. And that it just has a way. And you see this in the book of Daniel also with Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, it's beautiful. Mm. So good. You guys were talking earlier about um, just this idea of like we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And and I think both of you exhibit this like so well. Like I think you're fully aware of everything that's going on in the world, but it's so obvious to me that you both have a purity and a love for God. And I think you just have wisdom to speak into that. So so what comes to mind of, man, I'm trying to follow God in my, my workplace and people are having conversations around things and just unpack more of what, what does that mean to, to live in a way like that? I would say, I mean, there are a couple of things come to mind, but you do see in, in Daniel too, where the king asks Daniel, so you, you can do this interpretation for me. And Daniel gives all credit to God. He means like none of, none of the people that you've reached out to, but the God, my God can do this. And there is a humility in that of acknowledging who God is. Um, also, you see Daniel as a man of prayer. And so in the same way, we're going to talk about knowing the scriptures. We're going to talk about get in God with prayer, dig in. If you don't know what that means, just start a conversation. It doesn't have to look a certain kind of way. It's basically entering a conversation with God and believing that he wants to talk to you as much as you want to talk to him. Um, and then you see the community aspect of it, but you see a very high integrity man. There is there is a way of living that is of high integrity and there's a cost to that, but there's also a peace and a settledness that comes with those that walk in that way. And you just really see Daniel exude that and it sets him apart of, yes, he's a part of the culture and he's making a difference where he is. And also you see with Daniel, in, back in Genesis with Joseph, there's a similar theme here of no matter the hardship, they didn't get stuck in the unfair of it. They resolved what they believed about God. And then you watch promotion happen with God. And there is an element of integrity that that plays a role in that. In a massive way. And I think, I really do think that that idea of being in the world, but not of the world is so massive. I mean, those are, that's out of Jesus's mouth. You know, I had a teacher one time explain to me that the best picture in the gospels we get of in the world, but not of the world is Peter walking on the water. Mm. 
right? So in the story, there's a storm on the sea. Jesus, you know, is walking on the water, coming by, and Peter asks, can I come out? So Peter gets out of the boat and walks to Christ on the water. And if you think about that water as the world, but Peter with his eyes on Christ, at least at first, he's able to walk on the water. So he's able to be on the water, but he's not in the water. He's not submerged in the water. And that that idea of keeping his eyes locked on Christ and him focusing on Christ is how we're able to be in the world, but not of the world. Because we've got to know our mission. We cannot, we cannot sit on the shoreline and not get wet just because we don't like, I wish, I wish I could just like go to a cave somewhere with my Bible and just be <laughs> yeah. me and God forever. Yeah. Like I, I really do. That'd be so much easier, but that's not the life that God has called us to. And that's not how his kingdom is going to come to this earth. It's just not, you know, and at the same time, we don't just swim in the sea of culture and life, you know, with a Jesus t-shirt on like, okay, let's, you know, I love Jesus, but I'm, I'm swimming in the world. We have the faith to rise above because that's how we're going to be able to help other people who are also in there and live on mission, no matter how stormy it feels around us. Because that's, you know, it feels stormier probably on top of the water in that moment than potentially even in it. So I would say, too, um, there's this element that you see with Jesus of I've just heard this over my years and I have had. I feel like many now, um, where we say like, well, Jesus was, you know, you see him with with the tax collectors and the sinners. It's so beautiful, but there is a difference between we don't want to get it twisted of like living, stepping into a lifestyle saying, well, Jesus did it as you know, as a missionary, and it's like, well, yes, he became a part of what was happening at a table and a gathering, and he was a part with the people, but he did not partake in the lifestyle. That is a very different thing. So you really want to evaluate in your dating and in your what you're choosing to do with your time, like you know, on your Friday nights, on your weekends, you really want to you really want to be careful not to say, well, you know, Jesus did. It. I've just heard this over the years. I don't know if y'all heard this, but you know, yes, he he was a, about it, and he was in in meals and in in spaces with them, but he wasn't partaking in the lifestyle. And I just I thought about that when I was That's thinking good. about. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I, I just want. I think that, you know, a good point there is even in the world, you know, we can put use the Bible as a filter to see the world or we can use the world as a filter to see the Bible. And you can Google and get permission from the Bible to do anything you want permission you to can do. Prove it. Yeah. Like you, you can absolutely do that. That is not what God has called us to. You know, we have to go to the text first, get other people who love it and know it around us. And then we have to evaluate everything else through that lens. Because, again, I think Christ knew who the father was, knew who he was, and knew his mission in the world. That is how we go out and make that impact. That's great. I think uh, something that that I, I have seen in both of you guys of of uh, mentoring and just raising up the like next generation is I'd love you to speak to, man, maybe it's a young adult who's like, All right, I'm in, like I'm trying to follow Jesus in the culture and the world that we're in. Practically like give some encouragements around whether it's finding a mentor or asking good questions or discernment and just like, I think it's helpful to have conversation with like practically like what are some things that come to mind to just like, what are some good action steps out of this conversation? Absolutely. So if you're talking to someone who, you know, you're saying I'm in, you're probably already familiar with the Bible. I would say you're probably already, you know, like hopefully a part of a church, part of a body, maybe a part of a group. I'm really going to speak to the mentorship piece. I think what you want to do is find not just if you rely on one person to be your one mentor to give you everything you need for life, that is not, I believe, the model like Christ could do that, but that's not the model anyone else is supposed to live by. And so what I think you got to do is look for older men and women who exhibit that fruit of the spirit that Angela was talking about earlier from Galatians 5 
find men and women who are older than you, who love God and who have a life like you want to have and then walk with them in that life. Right. Because if you, someone might know a lot about the Bible, but if they're negative, pessimistic, gossiping about people all the time, you don't want what they have. Right. (laughs) Like you, you want to go and find people who are, who you're like, Oh, this is what a Christian should look like. And they can help me look like that. And then just spend time with them too, because they might not know how to answer all your questions. They might not be a Bible student. They might not have gone to seminary and they might not, you know, write small group questions. They might not even know the things that it is that help them live that way. But if you can live with them enough, like that's the kind of stuff that's contagious. Yes. So, and, and with that, I, I love that that is like such a key piece to this. And with, when you, when you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden they, they say, you know, I've, I've, I've been talking with God and I feel like he said this and there's a tone that catches you and you're like, that's the tone. I, that, that's the tone of the father. Those are like some, some indicators, but like, yes, that's, that's what I'm trying to, to do. So with that, I would add on to that and just say prayer, pray can't emphasize it enough. You see it with Daniel. I mean, he was so consistent with this. You see it with the life of Jesus. These are things we want to emulate. Um, so prayer and intimacy there. And um, and the, the other piece I want to say is con- the gift of confession and repentance. And I have to tell you, I have been learning this over my last years, but a lot of my growth, my breakthrough, even revelation, um, giftings, those things have come by way of like, it, I, I think the tie is confession and repentance. Something will come and I'll have this revelation. I'll give you an example. The other day I was getting ready in the bathroom and I felt like, um, I felt like the Lord whispered to me and said, Hey, some of your prayers are getting cut off at the knees because of your mouth. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And this is all scriptural. These, these things, these conversations go back to scripture. And he said, you're speaking against what you're praying for. And it's cutting your prayers off at the knees. And he said, I want you to line up your words with your prayers. Wow. And I mean, and I, me- I I knew it was the Lord. I immediately confessed, repented and y'all breakthrough happened in my prayer life because of it. And so don't be afraid. I, the thing that the, the enemy wants to do is like really get us afraid of confession and repentance. And it is our greatest, one of our greatest gifts. So, so to really lean into that and that's amazing as well. That's so good, Angela. So really like, you know, if you want to learn how to follow Jesus, hang out with Angela exactly, is, yeah. is what I'm going to say right here. <laughs> yeah. Like no doubt. And I think another piece with that with spiritual disciplines of time in the word and prayer, especially when you said that, I think a game changer for me in life is because for me, I always assumed that reading the Bible is easy for them or hey, prayer, easy for that preacher over there, easy for that Christian, easy for that friend. And and yeah, the first time I heard a preacher I really respect talk about how prayer is the hardest, was the hardest discipline to get. I'm like, and I just kind of realized, oh, prayer, these disciplines are hard for everyone to implement until you fall in love with them. Mm. And so you, like, if, if it's hard to sit down and focus and pray, that means you're probably doing something right. And so like, keep going, keep pressing in, find other people who love prayer because you know, the one of the things I like to say a lot is the best things in life are acquired taste, right? Like my, my seven year old would rather have, um, a, a happy meal from McDonald's than a like nice steak, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a hundred percent of the time yep. because he hasn't acquired the taste for the one, but we all know how much more valuable the one is than the other. And so let's not be childish in our faith and only crave the, you know, the Happy Meals and McDonald's of right. the faith. Let's really acquire the taste for the 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 nicer things that that God has for us. It's great. It's awesome. As we're kind of starting to bring our time to a close, uh, the last kind of thought that I'd love for you guys to speak into is, uh, and you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, Tyler, but I think sometimes there's this temptation to bury our head in the sand and be like, ah, it's all too much. Like life is hard. We go through challenging circumstances, suffering. We look on the news and it's just overwhelming with with the tragedy in the world. Uh, But I'd just love for you guys to speak to um, 
excuse me, what, what gets you hopeful in, in the day and age that we find ourselves in? I think where the church is at of young adults of like, just like, I'd love for you, you guys both have revelation inside of just like, you're excited about the future, where we're at, things that come to mind, kind of parting thoughts. Yeah, I would say initially, just as you're talking, what just wells up in my spirit is, this life is but a vapor. We have a moment. So somehow, really a big game changer is asking God, God, give me heavenly perspective. Give me heavenly thinking. One of the prayers I ask all the time is, God, help, let me see like you, think like you, speak like you. You know, when someone hears from me, I want them to think, oh my gosh, I'm hearing from heaven. And so there's a there's this heavenly perspective that's required. And once you get up higher in your thinking and you're seeing, and it doesn't take away from the things that are happening on earth, but it puts them in right perspective. And so with that, it's like, we do, you think about Daniel, his life being scribed, like what if our lives are being scribed and what would we want said about us? And it's like, when you start thinking in that way, that shifts the way that you're living living things out. And it, it does, you know, because this life is a vapor and we believe in the hope to come, we do have hope. You know, we don't we don't hurt our, our toil or gain without hope. That's it's the thing that separates us from separates believers from everyone else is the hope that we have. That's exactly right. I think we have to get that word from God on what's coming. Because God might not be pleased with everything that is, but he's not discouraged about what is to come. And so when we start thinking about what is to come and get discouraged, we certainly are not hearing from God. And I would say too, like, um, you know, life is life is hard. This thing is hard some days. It is. And that's and, and that's okay. It's supposed to be that way, I think, as we overcome that that pressure really does create something in us. But we have to keep our eyes on God and what he says. And we have to surround ourselves with voices Great. that can also see the same thing. Not people who are falsely optimistic, but people who can see the best. If all we are around are people who are negative and seeing the worst and pointing out the worst and comparing, that is exactly where our thoughts are going to be, exactly where our thoughts are going to be. So we have to surround ourselves, again, not with blind optimism, but with people who are full of faith and will encourage us on the same way we encourage them on when we have discouraging days. I would say the last thing too, Josh, is we are not just on the defense. And I think sometimes with when you can look at the world, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just taking hits, hits, hits. But the reality is we are on the offense. And if you dig into scripture, what you will find is there's power in agreement and prayer. Like bind, we 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 are we are commanded to bind and loose. You know, we there's a there's there's this invitation that we can invite heaven to earth. And it's like, wait, that changes everything. That means it, but what we have to do is like we live by faith. So what we have to do is agree with God and with others together and believe. Awesome. that these things are coming to pass on earth. And that that is another shift in perspective of like, okay, it's not about taking away from the fact that this pain is happening, but like, how can we engage and how can we take offense? And really it's it's a lot of how you're living in inte high integrity um, and in God's statutes, but also in prayer. Like we war in prayer. So It's so good. And there's so much more we could talk about, but I feel like we, we've hit, I think what's, what's just powerful. And I would encourage anyone who's having, listening to this conversation to, to deep dive further into the book of Daniel. And yeah. um, we, we've been doing this recently, but if anyone wanted to reach out or get in further contact with you guys, whether it's email, Instagram, whatever, what, what would that be? Um, so for me, the best probably email tyler.tatum at newspring.cc. So sometimes I like spy on people on Instagram just to like DM back and forth. So I'm on there, but I haven't posted in like 
five years, so I'm, I'm not really super engaged. It might be some weeks before you hear back to me on there. <laughs> yeah, I'm giggling when you said Instagram. I have been off social media for six years, um, and I'm telling you, it has been, I try not to mention that or make that an agenda because it's been so freeing for me, but that's not for everybody. So, I, um, but the best way you can reach me would be my email as well, and it's Angela.Gibe, it's G-E-I-B at newspring.cc. It's awesome. Well, you guys are amazing. I'm so thankful for you guys and all, all that you mean to our church. And thank you everyone for leaning to this conversation. Thank you for joining the Rally podcast. We hope it encouraged you. We'd love for you to be part of the Rally family. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and YouTube at New Spring Rally so you don't miss a thing. Also, if you'd like to connect to a campus, text Rally to 30303.